Lou made a hockey decision. Lou is not afraid to be out there on a limb, and he's out there now. That may have been something that ran its course in, in Lou's mind as well. Am I allowed to use Yiddish terms on this uh, podcast? Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, episode 134. As we say farewell to Islanders coach Barry Trotz, or should I say former Islanders coach Barry Trotz, is on May 9th, Monday, Lou Lamarillo, the president and GM, said he was searching for a new voice uh, to lead the team behind the bench. And uh, we're going to get into maybe what some of those reasons were behind that. And hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday. You can find me on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. And you can also find my uh, frequent co host and co conspirator here, uh, Neil Best at Sportswatch on Twitter. And Neil, how uh, how you doing today? <laughs> I don't know how much we all like Barry. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we might as well start with me because why not? Yeah, no, I'm bummed out because as a you know professionally, Barry was great to work with, and you know I I did a tweet earlier and I mean and I meant it about Islanders fans would have obviously enjoyed those two long playoff runs if they never read a single quote from any player or coach just by watching the games. However, uh, in a, in a time where there was almost no media access. You know, Barry's interesting commentary, I, I think, I know, enhanced the experience for fans, just like it made our jobs easier, uh, because he was great. I mean, particularly in a world in which we had very limited access to players. So, yeah, obviously, I'm going to miss him uh, as a reporter. And, you know, I, I, I assume Island, well, I guess we'll see how they play next year, obviously, but I believe Islanders fans will miss him also. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I was thinking about it today. I, I, I definitely feel like a better person. Uh, for having to gotten to know Barry over these past four seasons. And I was also really thinking about it today. He coached four seasons with the Islanders. And really, out of the four, you could only one call one of them normal, his first one. That was an 82-game series before the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, then you had one that was basically halted in midstream and uh, – in March of 2020 and you play in the playoff bubbles and he guides them to the uh, NHL semifinals. And then, uh, but that, that doesn't end until September of 2020. And then you come back with the 56 game season that starts in January and doesn't end uh, until the Islanders lose game seven in Tampa one, nothing. Um, but that, again, that's at the end of June. And, and this was an 82 game season, but it was far from a, a normal season. And I, I think that's why there's so much debate uh, over whether this is the right move for the Islanders, because they, yes, they missed the playoffs for the first time in their four seasons under Lamarillo and Barry Trotz. But was, was this a fair assessment of where the, uh, the, the team was going? You know, think about some of these other coaches and managers who, uh, you know, came and went during the strangeness. The Mets did it. The Giants did it. You know, these guys never had normal seasons. Uh, but, of course, what they didn't do that Barry Trotz did do is they didn't win. You know, yeah. Barry Trotz is dealing with these bizarre scenes and, and actually navigating them and, and succeeding. So uh, that made it even stranger, regardless of this last season. But, it, look, I, 
just in terms of the, the shock value of this thing, when I first read the announcement from the Islanders, my first, before I saw, you know, the way it was worded, <laughs> my first thought was, if, if, if the story today had been, uh, look, uh, Tr Trotz was going into the last year of his contract. They could not agree on a long-term deal. And Lou felt he didn't want a lame duck coach. If that, if that was what happened here, I would have kind of been like, oh, yeah, I kind of thought about that scenario, you know, that that could happen. Uh, from everything we've learned so far, that is not what happened. And that's what makes it more shocking to me that Lou made it very clear he was making a pure, you know, hockey, you know, winning hockey decision and not, that he says had nothing to do with the contract. So th th that's actually the part that made it shocking to me, not necessarily that Barry is gone. Look, this season took a real toll on Barry Trotz. It took a real toll, obviously, on a lot of the players, too. But, you know, just kind of informally talking to Barry as the season wound down the last month, month and a half, you could see that he was kind of beaten up. He was really tired. He needed a break. And he talked about getting a break, you know, uh, in, in the off season. And I'm, I, I don't think he was talking about getting fired by the Islanders, but he needed some downtime. He wanted to take care of some uh, family affairs as well. Um, and he was really tired. You could see that playing 17 games in, in March and then 16 games in 29 days in April. As much as it took it out of the players, it really exhausted Barry. So when, when, when I read the, uh, the press statement this morning, I was looking at it more from a, a Barry point of view that maybe he, he really just did need a break. I mean, you know, I know everyone's connecting the dots here, uh, Barry, you know, grew up in Dauphin, Manitoba, which is right outside Winnipeg. The Winnipeg Jets have a, a coaching opening right now. And I, I know, you know, Barry's mom passed away, I believe it was on January 1st, but he still has uh, an, an elderly father. Barry's turning 60 this summer. So his dad is, you know, getting up there. Um, and I was thinking maybe Barry really wants to be closer to his father as well. Uh, there, there are all these things out there that, that, that could possibly account for it, but I, I don't think you can discount what, what you're talking about, Neil, that, that Lou made a hockey decision, irregardless of all these other outside factors. You take Barry out of it. Lou looked at his team and said, we've gone as far as we can with Barry, and now we need a new voice. And he said new voice a, a few times, but to me, who are you going to bring in that's that's a better coach than Barry Trotz? Well, I mean, the, the new voice thing is, you know, in the NFL, the, well, the, sometimes there is something to the new voice thing. What's, what's strange about hockey, and I have to say, our, our colleague Colin Stevenson said to me, I don't remember if it was before the season or early in the season, we were talking about Trotz's uh, getting a contract extension. And he was like, no, Trot, this is Trotz's last year. It's hockey. These, these guys just go. They come and go. No matter how good they are, they just leave. Like in the NFL, the new voice thing is traditionally, well, after 10 years, you yeah. get your voice. That's the traditional thing in the NFL. In hockey, it seems to be about 40 years. Yeah. So, I mean, as shocking as this is and as strange as it is, this is, and obviously Lou Lamorello has a long history of, of shocking coaching changes, abrupt coaching changes. So maybe we shouldn't be that shocked, even though I guess we are. Um, and the new voice thing, well, obviously, we're going to know this time next year if the new voice thing worked. And if it does, 
you know, good for Lou, I guess. Um, but, you know, he's out there. It's, you know, Lou is not afraid to be out there on a limb and he's out there now. Uh, I would think so. And, you know, when you're talking about new voices, obviously one of the names that is probably towards the top of the candidate list is Lane Lambert, who is uh, Barry Trotz's or who was Barry Trotz's top lieutenant through four seasons with the Islanders, but has also been on Barry's staff in, in both Nashville and Washington. And uh, I believe it was the Ducks. Lane Lambert has gotten an NHL coaching interview within the past five years, I believe it was. And the speculation, there's always been the projections that Lane Lambert will be an NHL head coach at some time. But if, if Lou Lamarillo is looking for a new voice, I don't necessarily know that Lane Lambert provides that. So, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not in the school of, well, now Lane Lambert is definitely getting this job, but he is one of the candidates that you have to include on any list of potential replacements right now. Well, I saw that he was on your list I, he was, I, yeah. I know, as he should be. And I certainly have nothing against Lane, Lane Lambert personally or professionally, but to your point, yeah, if you're trying to shake things up with a new voice, it seems a little odd that that would be the way to go with, you know, his faithful lieutenant. Now, it could be that in that, you know, once in that kind of position, he would have a different personality and be that different voice. I, I don't know. He hasn't had that opportunity. Uh, but on, on the face of it, it, it seems like, yeah, I mean, it's it, one would think that the point of this would be a bigger shakeup than to hire Barry's assistant. Well, a, a, and a good example of this, although it didn't happen with the same team, but Mike Sullivan, before he, he got the Pittsburgh Penguins job, was essentially seen around the league as, as John Tortorella's guy, as he was on Torts' uh, staff with the Rangers, he was on uh, in Vancouver. Um, and there might have been one stop. Uh, I forget whether where, where their association begins, but Sully and Torts were really linked together at the hip. And it, it was always assumed that, you know, it wouldn't be a new voice. Uh, Sully would replicate a lot of what John Tortorella does. And Sully really has come out and, and, and absolutely been his own person and really established something in Pittsburgh. So there's nothing saying that Lane Lambert can't step out from the shadow uh, of Barry Trotz. I'm just with Sully. It didn't happen with the Rangers or in Vancouver. Uh, Sully went to a completely new organization to get established. So that's, again, that's, I'm not, necessarily convinced that that lane lambert is next up here for the, well, the, other, the other okay but the other thing here which has to you know I, i'm not saying lou lamorello necessarily cares about this but the ownership has to care about if you're getting rid of barry trotz and you have a veteran team and you think you're a cup contender you know maybe just from a marketing point of view you need a big name that is going to excite fans a lot of season ticket holders took a bath on the secondary market on those season tickets this year and are, are reluctant to renew. And you need people excited about the team, about buying season tickets, about, you know, the first normal quote unquote season in the new arena. And uh, at least uh, in the short term, a guy like Lane Lambert or, or other guys who are not big stars are not going to excite the fan base, which right now is kind of a little verklempt. Well, I'm allowed to use Yiddish terms on this uh, podcast. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're, 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 we're all good with that. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'll call you on Meshuggah at the end. Okay. Um, now don't call, as long as you don't call Lou that. No, no, no. Not, <laughs> I, and, and to your point, here's a, a text I got from uh, someone I know in the hockey world. Um, did you ask Lou if the season ticket holders can now cancel their renewals? I got this text shortly after, uh, you know, Barry was fired. I, I, it's, you know, it's amusing to somewhat, but it, it also speaks to your point that I, I, I do think uh, Islanders ownership, uh, and I, I don't necessarily think that Lou thinks in this way because he's always hockey, hockey, hockey. But if ownership has a say in this, they're going to want someone that will will galvanize uh, the fan base in a way. And I, I, I can't necessarily tell you who that might be. Now, now look, there, there are some fine coaches out there. I also, you know, it's throwing spaghetti against the wall, trying to figure out exactly which way Lou's going to go in his hiring process. But if I'm Lou, I'm, I'm, I'm calling up Paul Maurice and, and seeing if he is interested in interviewing, at least. Now, Paul Maurice walked away from the Winnipeg Jets saying that that team needed a new voice. And Paul had been in Winnipeg about seven seasons or so. Um, but, but, but Paul has just an absolutely sterling reputation throughout the NHL. And he's proven to be a, 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 you know, a, a championship caliber coach. And I think the Islanders would do really well to at least consider him if Paul Maurice wants to be considered. Uh, there's, there's no guarantee of that. Well, the other thing about, you know, going back to what we were saying about the kind of Barry being the voice of the team during the COVID times, I mean, he was, you know, let's face it, this is a team that's not big on superstar players. They have a lot of good, you know, a lot of good veteran players on this team, uh, but they don't have Connor McDavid. And really, Barry was the face of, of the team. And it came, obviously, you can't do better than hiring the guy who just won the Stanley Cup in terms of making right. a splash. So it's hard to beat that. So, yeah, it's going to be hard to replicate uh, it, no matter who you hire. I, like, I don't, I can't, yeah, like you said, it's hard to imagine too many names that are better than, oh, we're going to hire Barry Trotz who just won the Stanley Cup. And, and he's a great, you know, and he's a sort of an interesting character and he's a great talker and we're going to just replicate that. Well, I don't know how you do that, but of course, none of, none of that matters once they get on the ice and start winning games next year. That's all that we're winning or not winning. That's what's going to matter. Well, I mean, maybe it does matter a little bit because as much as Barry was a talker, as we know, Lou is not a talker. <laughs> there really was, I, I know the two, the, the, the two men get on fine and there, there was a good professional relationship there, but in terms of their attitudes of when and when not to talk, they're at opposite ends of the spectrum. And we're just speculating here, uh, that may have, been something that ran its course in, in Lou's mind as well. Yeah, I do not think Lou would make this decision based solely on that, certainly. But 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 in, in I do also believe, yeah, it was part of the mix of this, um, you know, yeah, has this relationship run its course thing where, you know, yeah, there were times where Barry was very expansive or candid or you know, like I talked about a guy like Oliver Wallstrom, which was, you know, interesting for us and the fans to hear his candid thoughts on some of these subjects. But yeah, Lou might, yeah, I could just sometimes, you know, 
feel Lou cringing in some room somewhere as Barry was speaking to us. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I am not uh, – well, you can't do better than Barry – unless they hire Buck Showalter to coach the Islanders. Uh, I don't think we're going to do better than Barry Trotz with the media thing, but it will be interesting to see uh, what that – you know, how Lou views that part of the job with whoever he hires. You know, it's a shame is uh, Buck and Barry actually know each other. Um, okay, so hire Buck. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, well, yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Bucks too. But uh, yeah, no, when uh, when Barry was coaching the Washington Capitals, Buck Showalter was managing the Baltimore Orioles and the two of them developed, you know, Barry told me, uh, actually, we, we were chatting about it uh, the last month of the season. I think we were in April. Uh, we, we started chatting about Buck Showalter and Barry said he knows him fairly well from their time together in the, in the capital region. And yeah, they're, they're two get, they're both excellent coaches slash managers, but they also get the public face of it as well. And a, a lot of, a lot of coaches or managers don't get that they're the public face and, and they're, they're speaking directly to the fans. I always thought that Barry had a really good handle on that, that he, yeah, he used the media to get his message across, but he also knew that he was uh, promoting the franchise. And I think that's a lesson he learned really well. Uh, those 15 seasons he spent with the Nashville Predators where, and, and this is not hyperbole, he literally taught the city of Nashville about hockey. It was Hockey 101, and, and they couldn't have hired anyone better than, than Barry Trotz for that. One thing we haven't talked about yet, which is obviously an important part of this, is how the players are going to react to this. Now, I, I thought it was um, <laughs> I thought it was great how quickly Lucia, the, the concept of, of him consulting with the yeah. players on this <laughs> was so inconceivable to him. Uh, I mean, it was a fair question. I think Shannon Hogan asked it, but it was it was a fair question. Like, did, did you, because, you know, yeah, what what do the players think about this? Did you talk to them? He's like, I would never do something like that. But of course, but of course and I, you know, that's fine. But, but, but it's still, look, I think it's part of the culture. Now, it's possible there's been some social media reaction from players I haven't seen yet. And, and I, but I think it's part of the culture of hockey and also the Lou culture that you're going to see, you're going to be less likely to see like this outpouring of reaction from players than you might be in a similar situation in, in another sport. Um, so I don't know what the players think about this yet. I mean, obviously eventually they'll comment on it, but I'm, I don't, I like, I don't really have a good handle of what the players think. I'm sure some players don't like it and other players maybe kind of do like it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's always splits in the room and players who like coaches, more than other players, but for, for my time covering the NHL, I have never gotten the sense that coaching because coaches, like you say, coaches change all the time. It's like players are expecting coaching moves, right? right. Um, yeah. I don't think there is a, a huge reaction. I, I think they liked for the most part, they liked playing for Barry and now they're going to find out who they're playing for next. And, and you know, and not to call the players heartless or emotionless, but it's a business to them. And I think uh, I, I think they're going to approach this very businesslike that, you know, Barry was part of the past and now they have to move forward. No, I, I don't I don't disagree with you uh, of anything you just said. But I, I do think, though, that 
what you said is more true of hockey than other sports. I mean, par partly because of the culture of the sport and partly because, yeah, as we've said several times, the, the coaches come and go so fast that you just have to adapt. Uh, it's just a different, it's just different than if you're, you know, you played for some football coach for 10 years and I don't know, it's, it's, you're, you're right. They're, they're pros and they're just going to do their job. You know, they, I, I know the, the fan base in their mind built up this, disconnect between Barry and, and certain younger players, especially Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, and, 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 and Wally talked at breakup day about needing tough love. So it's obvious that uh, that's how Barry treated him, but that that's not necessarily a bad thing. And, you know, I mean, I think you just look to how Barry had treated and, and, and groomed Noah Dobson as a success there. Uh, for his ability to, to to handle young players or younger players. Now, uh, you know, I asked Lou towards the end of uh, the uh, the presser today about, you know, does this change any of his off-season priorities? And he, he still listed the, pretty much the same, you know, three or four items. One is improving on the back end, getting in some defensemen. Obviously, we don't expect Zdeno Char or Andy Green back. Um, and they need more puck-moving defensemen. And I know the fan base screams because you had a guy in Devon Tays who every time you watch a Colorado Avalanche game, you just want to, you know, bang your head through a wall because he's, he's, he's much better now than when he left the Islanders, and he was pretty darn good when he left the Islanders. And, uh, and, and Lou's still talking about making hockey trades and improving the forwards that way and – you know, uh, again, as I said on the last episode, if you're making hockey trades, well, uh, Anthony Beauvillier is probably at the top of the list um, and, and possibly maybe moving a, a Josh Bailey if anyone will take on that contract. And, and then he was talking, the next thing was he was talking about getting the younger players to develop. And so do you want, you know, I, I don't think the Islanders are at a stage. They have so many of these veteran players that you can't bring in a guy who's known only for developing young players. You know, like when the Rangers brought in a David Quinn, right? He was a college coach and he had a reputation for dealing well with younger players. Well, that's not necessarily where the Islanders are at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, right. I mean, you've got... Yeah, you've got a veteran team that is supposed to win now. Uh, so one would think you'd bring in uh, a, a quote unquote new voice, but with a resume similar to Barry Trotz or, or along those lines anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, this, I'm sure Lou has names in mind, obviously, of who, he's, who wants to hire for this thing, but it's going to be fascinating to see what he does. And, you know, going back to Lou, you know, I we referenced him earlier being out on a limb, but it's like the column I wrote today, you know, in, in March after the trade deadline, it was like, okay, you know, Lou's making this big bet on next season and it's on him now. Well, now it's even, now he doesn't even have his partner in that task anymore is you know, Trotz is gone. So now it's really on Lou. And does it mean he has to win the Stanley Cup next year? Well, not really, but I mean, he sure as heck has to have, he sure says heck has to justify this with another deep run or be, you know, be a legitimate cup contender. Obviously, once you get to the playoffs, it's kind of a crapshoot, but you're, you're sure as heck can't miss the playoffs. That's that we know. Yeah, no, I would think another playoff miss might make for a one and done coach, 
Um, but and, and this is something we talked about this morning right after the news came out. Um, now, Lou Lamarillo has either turned 80 or he's about to turn 80. October, I believe in October. Okay, be. I'm sorry. He's still 79. <laughs> um, does this feel like Lou Lamarillo's last chance to hire a coach? Or do we just think he's you know going to work forever at this point? I mean, in, in my mind, as a just rational, neutral observer, yes, it feels that way. In Lou's mind, it probably doesn't. Because he when he says he doesn't think about his age, I actually believe him. No, so do I. I think that, you know, or maybe who knows what's in his head. Maybe, maybe he does think of, okay, I got a couple more years. This is my last run. It's equally, it's equally possible that he figures, well, no, maybe at 96, 97, I'll have to slow down a little bit, but you know, <laughs> you know, that doesn't, it's like, it's, you know, I don't, I, I, I guess I believe him when he says he doesn't think about his age, even though, uh, and he seems in good health and, you know, so, uh, but I think about his age. So yeah, logically you would think he's gearing up for a last run. Yeah. I, well, I mean, for a couple of reasons, one is, if there is still a window for this group, and I, I think that is still to be determined whether this, this group as constituted has a window here. If it does, it's, it's not more than for a year or two. For that group, yes, that's true. Now, <clears throat> there are teams, and, and this is Lou's goal, of course, is to never rebuild. I mean, in, in theory, if you rebuild properly on the fly, there, there's no reason in theory that for three, four years from now, you can't have retooled to the point where you have good young players. I know it's hard with the contracts uh, where you have good young players and a couple of the core guys left. I mean, it, it certainly happens. But if you're talking about this, these veterans, these over 30 guys have been together all these years. Yeah, they got a year or two. Yeah. If, if, if that, if that, because what we saw a lot of days, what we saw from that team Maybe they don't have that because they looked old and slow. So why would they be any less old and slow next year? Right. And that brings it back to a new voice in the room. But I, and to me, the, the, the crucial assessment this offseason was determining what you had seen last season, whether what, what percentage was circumstance that, that they, you know, all the outside factors and how much of it is, they're just an aging team that doesn't skate fast enough to play in the NHL. And I, this, this group needs improvement to, to get back to where they were. Yeah. And I, I thought it was interesting when Lou, now I understand why he answered it this year. He said it was not all about this season because he acknowledged there's bizarre circumstances. He said it was a more, more than that, which leads you to wonder well, what was he saying that was wrong, you know, last season, which I, I don't know what that is. He didn't elaborate. To be fair, the Islanders just squeaked into the playoffs the, 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 the last two seasons. Now, they did really well in the playoffs, and everyone says they're a team built for the playoffs, but they struggled in the regular season the last two seasons as well. Well, the first year they made the long run, they barely made the playoffs. They were they had a better regular season last season. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a hard team to know what to make of. But the, the bottom line is Barry Trotz is the second-best coach in the history of the franchise. He, he, he and Lou together kind of built that team to, to essentially open that arena, which, which they did and sold a lot of tickets and got to, you know, re-energize the fans and all that stuff. And now Lou is basically telling us, all right, well, yeah, Barry did his job, I guess, on and off the ice. But now it's time for the next step. 
next or something different. And you can't say he's wrong until he's proven wrong. Um, all, the only thing we know for absolutely sure is the next coach is not going to fill my notebook the way Barry Trotz did. And, I, and I'm lamenting that today. And I'm sorry if that's selfish, but tough. Yeah. Well, well let, me, uh, let me put it into a, maybe a kind of a bubble that, you know, you, you can comment here. Do you think Keith Richards would ever turn to Mick Jagger and go, you know what? We need a new voice in the uh, in the Rolling Stones. Well, did you say Richard saying that to Jagger? Wouldn't yeah, it be the yeah. other way? Wouldn't it be the other way around? No, 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 no. This is. I just thought Jagger was in charge. Well, yeah, but okay. But Lou, I don't think Lou, as much as Lou might respect Barry, I, I don't think he, he looked. I don't think he looked at him the way Jagger and Richards are. They were partners in a sense, but but Lou Lou is the boss. Period. And if he decided, you know, for whatever his reasons are, that Barry is done in this role, and as much as he said he respects him as a person and as a coach, as he should, um, then it doesn't matter. Like it's, uh, it's kind of like we said about the play. Like it's like we said about the players. These guys are, it's a bottom line, cutthroat business. And Lou, he didn't elaborate much on what the problem was, but he sees the problem. So. I, I think point point being, I think Lou and Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz are not quite as tightly entwined as Keith Richards and, and Mick Jagger. Okay. All right. Fair <laughs> point. Fair point. Well, I, I mean, it will certainly make the next. Uh, I mean, uh, Lou Lamorello said there's no timetable on hiring a new coach. Uh, I, I certainly think he's going to take uh, a little bit of time here and maybe see if some other of these playoff teams shake loose from their coaches and, and see who's on the open market. So it, it may be, you know, you, you could be looking at three, four weeks before a new coach is named, maybe a little sooner than that, but, uh, it, yeah, but, 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 I'm, but every day Lou is going to be leaking candidates to you. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, looking, <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting that, that secret call and being able to claim an know. Source is telling me that Mickey Mouse is now a candidate to coach the New York Islanders. So but the one thing, the one thing that feels, I mean, as bad as I feel about this, the, the weird thing about this situation now, I've not spoken to Barry Trotz, but I, it's, it's like, unlike a lot of recent New York, you know, firings or normal firings, I don't think we need to feel bad for Barry Trotz. Like I, like you said, a, he needed a break. B, he's going to get a job whenever he wants one. I, I think he had a good experience here uh, on and off the ice. Um, but this is not like a, I don't view this as the, some, some sad moment in the life of Barry Trotz. Like, I think he'll be totally fine. Yes. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. Barry, Barry could be coaching in the league tomorrow if he wanted to. Uh, uh, he's not going to have a trouble finding any role within the NHL that he wants. And again, you know, uh, does he want, as I said, he was really tired and looked exhausted at the end of the season. Does he want to take a season off? Does he want to transition into more of a management role? He's about to turn 60 years old. He's been a coach since 1998 in the NHL and before that in the AHL, he's been behind the bench for a long time. Does he want to, uh, you know, would he like to spread his wings and see what it's like to maybe run his own team? And 
then call Lou up and try and engineer a trade with Lou. That would be fun. But again, it, it's going to be an interesting uh, month or so here, I think, before this all gets settled. And uh, I'm sure we're going to have a lot more to talk about here. So uh, uh, but if Barry wants to do TV work, he, he may have to learn to be a little more concise. But other than that, I, other than that, I think he, he would be obviously an interesting person to listen to in, in a media job. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I would. <laughs> I, I mean, John Tor Tortorella's made a, a career in the media. I, I think a more apt comparison when it comes to media is Bruce Bordreau, uh, the former Capitals coach, now the Canucks coach, who is really good on TV. And he has a very similar personality to, to Barry Trotz, just engaging and, and he knows the sport inside and out. So, yeah, if Barry wants to do TV, I, I think I think networks would be falling all over themselves to uh, to get him. But uh, this this is stuff we'll uh, we'll uh, get to, like I said, in the next few weeks. In the meantime, if you want to read any of Neil's stuff or any of my stuff, that's on Newsday.com backslash Isles. Neil is on Twitter at SportsWatch. I'm on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. And thank you for tuning in and listening to episode 134 of the Island Ice podcast from Newsday. And until next time, happy hockey. And on a personal note, just let me say to Barry Trotz, not that he's listening, I, I, I am deeply indebted uh, to your patience. And like I said, it's been a pleasure working and getting to know you over the, the, the last four years. And I wish you and your family all the success in the world.